Cooper, I've got some unpopular opinions I need to share with you. Well, I want to hear them, Mr. Controversy. Lay them on me. So yesterday, one of our roommates and I, Brody Donnell, went out to a, a leaning tower of Dallas, as they call it. Okay, I've actually heard of it. I drive by it on my way home from work. Yeah. Shout T- out tell to Lululemon. What's it look like from the, from the street view? So it's pretty covered. It yeah. lo- at first, I thought it was just, I didn't really know what it was. Right. I thought it was, it looked like something that would be at a Disney World ride. Right. So what it is, it's this massive building that I guess needed to go. I mean, they they demoed it. Or all buildings tried. were built to die. They were built to die. So they filled this sucker with dynamite and they implode it, but only like explode. Well, they implode it. Okay. They exploded it and imploded it. Okay. And then a lot of it comes down except for this one elevator shaft. Yep. And so now it's known as the Leaning Tower of Dallas. If you don't know what we're talking about, look it up on on Google. All you have to Google is Leaning, Leaning Tower, Tower of, of Dallas. Dallas and it'll come up. And so Brody and I were going to study yesterday and we're, we're driving out there and we kind of are driving near it. And so, hey, let's go see it. Like people are posting pictures of it. People are, are there. It's like become this thing you go take a picture with. You're like pretending to hold it up like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Yeah, it's and JV version it for really sure. It really is. But I mean, it's just a pile of rubble yeah, with an elevator with, shaft, yeah. you know. And so we get there and it's just much more than I ever thought. Could have hoped or imagined. Well, first of all, let's start with how they're trying to get it down now. Yeah. So I, again, kind of. I don't really, I've never been, I drive by it on my way home from work. So I've just seen this building that looks destroyed. I thought it was like some amusement thing, but now you're telling me they meant to destroy it. Right. Apparently. Okay. So continue. Just yeah, wanted to. So we pull up and first of all, first things first, there's a crane out there trying to knock it down with a wrecking ball, which is kind of like, are people in danger? I don't, I don't think so. Okay. They had a fence around. We're good. Okay. But this wrecking ball looked like a pebble. But some lady there told us it was 6,000 pounds, but I am not buying Six it. 6,000? Are you? There's literally no way. So like what, like, give me size comparison. So here's the deal. I can't tell. It's far away. Yeah. But it's being held to the crane by a tire. So like there's okay. the chain on the crane. Okay. And then it's attached to a tire, attached to a strap, attached to this wrecking ball. Okay. And I like, actually see the picture on Google now. Yeah. Look it up. You have to see it. And so it's just like slowly just hitting the side and doing nothing. You know what? You know what it reminds me of, Zach? Have you ever heard of the story of David and Goliath? Yeah. That's what this reminds me of. It really does. A small little pebble. It looks like a pebble hitting the side of a building. So we're like, wow, like that's doing nothing. What are we doing here? So you can see that from the street. Yep. Brody and I pull up to like the fenced off area and there are probably hundreds of people out there. Really? Hundreds. Wow. And we, as we get closer, we're walking in, we're passing all these people like, what in the world are these people doing out here? We get there. There's a DJ. There are there's live music. There's free ice cream. Okay. There's a news crew. There's people selling stuff. There's people handing out free like, like what kind of stuff are they like, selling? Well, like food. There's a clown making like those uh, balloon. Oh, animals. balloon animals. Yeah, balloon yeah. animals. Okay. I didn't buy one, but there were a bunch of little kids doing it. Free ice cream. Like there's <laughs> and there's a DJ. Like this guy's playing music for people to like dance out here in front of a half demoed building so they're just it's not a park right they're just no. like gathering because it's an this open building field we almost wow. bottomed out our car trying to get to it really it's just in a field like oh it's my just goodness a field. and so we're out there and we're like what in the world is going on i was kind of loving it it's kind of awesome i mean absolutely but here's my opinion yeah you said you had something unpopular and i want to hear it i think it's a publicity stunt wow i truly think that the city of dallas could knock it over but i feel like some people are making money off it you think the city of dallas is scheming I think we're, well, they're scheming. I don't. I don't hate it. I was gonna say you can't. It seems as though you like their schemes. I don't hate it, but it's kind of weird. I feel like 
we could just get a bigger ball in there and we could knock this building over. Yeah, that's probably fair. Or not put it on a tire. But unity is being brought to the city. It really is. I mean, people are coming in droves to take pictures. I mean, you said over like hundreds of people. But here's some more examples online. If you look it up, the like top articles are like Leaning Tower of Dallas survives implosion to become internet sensation. Okay. Leaning Tower of Dallas is a city's accidental tourist destination. Leaning Tower of Dallas becomes a becomes a city star attraction. Wow. So people are coming in just to see this. That's yeah. So we the city of Dallas is getting a lot of publicity, like they need it, from a half demoed building. I think it's sketchy. It seems like we did a bad job at something, and now people are celebrating it. Right. So I'm like participation trophy. I think yes. I think yes. This is a millennial city. This really is. I mean, wow. it's Dallas. So that's my opinion. What do you have any thoughts on it? I mean, I now that you put it that way, I really couldn't agree more. It seems as though we did a half job, and we're getting celebrated for it. It seems like a participation trophy, and I think we need to put an end to it. I will be stopping by before they demo it. Please do. I really want to go see it. It's a it's an attraction. If you're in Dallas, you're stopping by. I mean, you have to go see it. Come on. You have to go see it. It's apparently our, our number one attraction in Dallas. There's nothing else to do here. But you know what, Zach? Like I said, like all buildings are born to die. It they will fall will. eventually. They will. And I hope that I'm there to see it. I, that would actually be kind of cool to see. I want to be standing there having my balloon animal made as I watch this building fall for the last time. And right as it's hitting the ground, I'm going to say, Welcome to the Next Generation Leader Podcast, where we believe great leaders are listeners, especially during their youth. Good leaders learn from their successes and mistakes, but great leaders learn from the successes and mistakes of those who go before them. I'm your host, Zach Funderburg, here with my co-host, Coop. It's me, Zach. The Leaning Tower of Coop. The Leaning Tower of Coop. You are leaning over in your chair. I am. You can't see. Just, I'm committed to the bit here, listeners. <laughs> well, Coop, we have another special episode, as we do every week. I figured we would. I'd normally say that. I, I feel like ev- after I interview someone, I'm always like, wow, that was my favorite one. Yeah. That was it. That's how I feel, too, after my a lot of my interviews. Like, I, it's hard for me to decide which interview that I've done <laughs> is my favorite. Yeah. Which one do you think is your favorite? Um, probably How to Not Be Boring. Like, that's probably my favorite one that I've gotten to do. Yeah. Coop's only episode, J.D. Rogers, How <laughs> yeah. to Not Be Boring. Go Shout out, shameless out. plug to me, sponsor. Go check it out. I'm it's sponsoring this week's episode. But anyway, today we have Sherry Garcia. Ooh. I know. Sherry is the like CEO, owner of Cornbread Hustle. Have you heard of Cornbread Hustle? Um, no, but I've instantly developed a craving for cornbread. <laughs> I do too. I think of like the little brown, like, what are the, or not brown, little blue boxes of cornbread my mom used to make. Yeah. That's, Just it, the only thing you need to add is the love and the water. Mm, come on, come <laughs> on with me. <laughs> anyway, Sherry, she has an incredible story and I can't wait for you to hear more of it, of drug abuse, like alcohol, being addicted to herself. Yeah, wow. Just like following the hustle of the world and mm-hmm. wanting more, wanting more, which eventually led to people pleasing. And so that's what she's like advocating against. Say, don't please people because it will never get you where you want to go. So what her company Cornbread Hustle does, it, it it's really into second chance hiring. Okay. So second chance hiring, she helps people who just get out of jail, just yeah. get out of prison, who need help. Kind of similar to where she was at. Right. Yeah. She, she goes to where they're at and she says, hey, I want to help you get a job. Because what I truly believe there's a, there's a lot of nonprofits, there's a lot of businesses out there that want to help people, but but they do it by just throwing money and, and right. material things at people. But what I love about what Sherry's doing is rather than that, she's helping people find opportunity. Yeah, almost like firsthand help. Like you would right. say secondhand help maybe, and this is a term I just literally created, but right. giving money would be kind of secondhand. Like yeah, you yeah. don't actually have to engage in their lives no or work. their world. Yeah. But firsthand would be, yeah, literally fire, finding those people and hiring them. Right. She finds these people and just, she'll call this company and she talks about it in there. She's like, hey, I'm here with with Bill. He just got out of jail for like for fraud. And I know, crazy. You should hire him. 
You know, it's like, and she's like, that's what I needed. That's what we need to do. So she's a huge advocate for that. A huge advocate. She talks about putting herself first, okay. which is kind of different from what we, we like really think of. Yeah. She's like, I put other people first in a prideful sense. He's like, I would go around saying, look at me, look at how I'm helping people. Mm. She was like, when I started to put myself first, my mental health went up and I was able to help everyone. Yeah. Cause if you're not healthy, you're not going to be able to lead others. Exactly. Yeah. She's that's a really good point for that. Well, Sherry's got a ton of great stuff to say. I hope you stick around and listen to it. Pull um, up a piece of cornbread. Get you a piece big of cornbread. In. Uh, hustle on over there. Listen to it. Here she is. Sherry Garcia. Well, Sherry, thank you so much for being here and letting me ask you some questions. It's so nice to meet you. It's so nice to meet you, too. I'm so glad you're here doing this, and you have the most awesome setup ever. You know what? It's the best Amazon can buy. That's that's what we say. But I want you to introduce yourself. Uh, Where did you come from? Tell your story. First of all, it's fascinating. Tell thank your story, you. and you. Uh, we'll so, listen. Um, where do I come from? <laughs> outer space. Right. I'm kidding. So I actually... Born and raised in Texas, grew up in the colony. I was on the cheerleading team, the girl next door, pitcher of the softball team, and I decided to try drugs one day. Mm. That was it. I tried one day. One day I tried meth. Um, For those of you who don't know, meth is kind of like the street drug for Adderall. I'm sure a lot of your listeners know exactly what Adderall is. the college age. Yes, yes. Um, that's what I'm saying. If I went to college, I would have, I would have killed myself and made a lot of money at the same time. Right, totally. Um, because it's like a breeding ground for Adderall and drugs. But um, ended up, you know, selling drugs, being addicted while I was still in high school, and then I finally pulled myself up by my bootstraps. Got a job in news. I always wanted to be a news anchor, so I got a job in news. And while I was working there, I invented a product. Mm. because I'm just, I'm an inventor at heart. And I ended up doing a lot of cool things, doing some partnerships with Mark Cuban companies, which was super awesome. Not a bad name to throw um, around. No, it's not. Easy. And that's, you know, that's about all that it was. He <laughs> yeah. he just threw me a bone, you I, know? He just allowed me to do things for free that's awesome. for Mark Cuban companies so I could um, get the experience and work with the Shark Tank companies. As an inventor, I love right. that. Um, and... I started volunteering in prisons, teaching entrepreneurship, because I was like, okay, these people who have adversities are going to make really great entrepreneurs. And as I was in there, it was the prison entrepreneurship program, volunteering, people would be getting out of prison and I'd be like, okay, maybe filing a patent and inventing a product isn't the most sustainable approach to getting back into the, into society. So I started cold calling um, companies, just Googling, getting to know the guy, then Googling companies, cold calling. Hey, my name's Sherry Garcia. I'm sitting here next to so-and-so who just got out of prison for murder. I know, crazy, right? Well, let me tell you the story (laughs) and where it all began. So when he was 12, this is what his mom did to him. And when he was 15, and then when he turned 17, he was running around with a gang and then shot at somebody and then killed an innocent bystander. And so here we are 20 years later, he's out of prison and he really needs a job and he's on parole for life. So I promise he has a reason not to mess up or else he goes to prison for life. And I kept placing people like I I placed people left Mm -hmm. and right in jobs. And the entrepreneurial mind that I have was like, okay, well, 
You obviously found your passion, so how are you going to monetize this? Right. And a lot of people said, like, why don't you make it a nonprofit? Um, you know, you're trying to help people. This is never going to work. Who's going to pay to hire a felon? Like, right. every, everyone thought I was crazy, and I was. Mm-hmm. Um, I was still drinking, so I don't know mm-hmm. if I would have started this company sober, to be honest with right. you, because, you know, now that I'm sober, I'm like, that is crazy. Who starts a business saying, pay me money to help people? Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we now have we've been in business for three years and we have some pretty big clients and we're interviewing thousands of people and placing mm. people in jobs and it's been really awesome. It's amazing. It's a it's a fascinating story and you've got to where you are and your company's called Cornbread Hustle. Kind of talk about where the name came mm-hmm. from and what y'all do and what y'all do for for people getting out of prison. Yeah. So Cornbread Hustle. Have you seen the movie Life? You probably I haven't. haven't. I haven't. It's an older movie um, with. Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. Okay. There's I know a, who they are. There's a scene. That's good. That's a start. Yeah. There's a scene where they're in the chow hall. They're they're having lunch in prison, and it's this big old black guy, and he's like, you gonna eat your cornbread? <laughs> and uh, they end up getting in a prison riot over yeah. some cornbread. Um, or not a prison riot, a big fight. And yeah. uh, that's where I came up with the name. I I was volunteering in prison, and I, I would always, for me, I'm always on a diet. And when I'd I'd be grabbing off the other guy's plates, asking for their extra sandwich or their chips or whatever, smashing the chips down in my sandwich, just like I was an inmate. And they'd be like, dang, Sherry, you going to eat your cornbread or what? (laughs) And uh, they always said that to me. And they started started calling me cornbread. So whenever I decided to start this agency, I was like, okay, I'll I'll name it Cornbread Hustle. That's awesome. That's so cool. I think you have a unique outlook on people. And I want you to talk about that more because I feel like a lot of people look at someone and see him at face value. Like they'll, they'll hop out of prison and I see him as the guy that just got out of prison. But you have a unique gift to look past that and to see their story like what you're talking about mm-hmm. earlier. Talk about that because I think that's so valuable that people miss that people have a story. People come from somewhere that that forms and informs where they are today. Just unpack that a little bit for us. Well, that's where really empathy comes in. Mm. Um, you know, there's sympathy where you're just like oh i feel sorry for that guy poor schmuck yeah you know and then there's empathy where you almost feel their pain Mm. where you can truly like relate and feel and you know for me man when i look back i've i've rolled around with a lot of drugs right and i was arrested a lot of times and my my most recent arrest was just a couple of years ago while i was running this agency Mm. So if anybody can tell you success isn't linear, it's me. And just in my last arrest was a DWI. I had to ask the police officers after I got out of jail. um, I had to go back to the police station and ask where they pulled me over Hmm. because I was that drunk. And um, I couldn't find my car. I was looking for it in the wrong city. You've come a long way. Yes. 402 yes. days we were just yes. talking about. 402 days You can sober. celebrate that. Yes, I celebrate it every day. I thank God. I could have had intoxication manslaughter mm-hmm. if I didn't even remember where I got pulled over. So what makes me different from the woman I'm trying to help that has an intoxication manslaughter felony? Mm-hmm. So I just have an incredible amount of empathy because I feel like, you know, how in the world, like now I have the DWI on my record, which I can even get that cleaned off if right. I want. I mean, I don't even know if there's, if I will, I guess why not, yeah. right? But there's not really a point. Um, 
but to just know how many people, I mean, I, I work with people who did far less than me and they have five felonies from one bad night mm. because, you know, they possession of drugs, um, intent to deliver, manufacture, then there's the evading arrest or assault on a public servant. That sounds, that's right. a really bad night. That's, that's just, <laughs> that's so tough. but that's where you, you're like super high. You've been up for three days. You're in your addiction and it's a horrible night, but then you end up being a felon with five felonies from mm. one time. And, you know, I just, I look at everything that I did and I'm like, wow, I should have like 500 felonies, you know, and I don't. So I take my resources and everything that I've learned and, and I do have a gift. God gave me a gift to have the right empathy to help the right people. Mm, That's amazing. And I think it's, that's just something people miss that who am I to think that I'm better than this person because I wasn't unlucky to have that one bad night. So we're going to talk about that addiction, the addiction to drugs, addiction to alcohol, whether it's social media, anything that you addicted to self even, and it's a slippery slope. And that's what you're here warning people against that it was one bad decision. You're in high school. It's, you have everything together, and then one bad decision, it leads down a slippery slope of addiction. Talk about that. What would you warn yeah, young adults, young so, professionals with? You know, I sometimes I hate saying, like, well, I tried meth one day, and it was all downhill from there. Right. Because then people are like, okay, cool. T- let me turn off my ears and not yeah. listen to her because I'm not going to try meth. Jeez. Yeah. Um, but for me, the, the silent killer, what got me is that alcohol. Mm-hmm. What got me is pride. Alcohol, selfishness, achievement, perfectionism, mm. all things that and you you brought up social media. Social right. media has brought out the worst in a lot of us. Totally. Um, you're doing this podcast today and I'm sure you're excited to release it to your followers. <laughs> of course. And you're worried about what people are gonna think of it. Yeah. And you're wanting to do a good job. Totally. And would you be doing this podcast right now had there not been social media? What else would you be doing? Are right. you following your passion or not? You know, mm. those social media and the the silent killers of addiction is what keeps us from looking within and really knowing what our purpose is. For me, I mean, just I, I look back and I was never I, I tell you that I invented a product and I I got to work with Mark Cuban companies and um I started this agency. Right. I did all kinds of cool things, but I never did them because I wanted to do them. I was trying to outrun my haters mm-hmm. before I could walk. And um, that's what I was just telling an employee the other day. You can't outrun your haters before you can walk. And what that looks like is just trying to prove everybody wrong, doing whatever it takes and being prideful and um, masking those insecurities with achievements. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did, you know, all starting with family. Like, I'll show my family I'm not the black sheep, you know. Now I'm like, meh, I'm the black sheep. I don't yeah. care. Like, <laughs> at least I'm trying to fit, help myself, right? We as a society get trapped in trying to show off how great we are to mask how bad we feel. Mm-hmm. And that's the slippery slope. And that's when, you know, you start out in your college days or your, for me, <laughs> elementary days. But you start out in your you know, high school days, college days, whatever, and you start to drink just to have a good time. You start to let go. You start to feel that euphoria. And um, as you get older and those silent killers come attack you in your life, mm-hmm. you're quicker to turn to a substance. Yeah, That's what I mean by the slippery slope. 
Yeah. And I think it comes down to a lot of people pleasing. Like you were talking about masking your insecurities with the achievements. So it's more of what people think of you than what is actually a part of you. And so talk about that. How do you fight people pleasing? Because that that's something I need to hear yes, right, right now. Yes. People pleasing, man, I'm a recovering people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I learned is we don't realize how selfish and manipulative we are in our people pleasing. Like when we really peel back the onion and and try to figure out why we're doing things for people. Are we really doing it for them or are we doing it for ourselves? You know, I I had a really hard time after starting this agency feeling like I do so much for everybody else. And, you know, sometimes we do things for people and then we expect things in return. And then we get mad. Like we're offering help. They didn't even ask for it. We gave the help. Then they didn't do something we expected them to do for us. And then we're mad. We just made ourselves mad mm-hmm. for no reason. You know, like, my my employee that I have here, my operations manager, he didn't ask me to get him new teeth. He had gold teeth. He didn't ask for white teeth. Sick. Was I doing it for him or was I doing it because I wanted him to represent our company well? I have to take a look back and see why I was doing things. And then later on, of course, like I built resentment because I'm like, do you even care about this job? Are you even working hard? You know, of course he works very, very hard and he's amazing, but that's just an easy surfacey example of how we, we think we're people pleasing, but we're trying to please ourselves because we don't know how to give, how to have self care. Mm. So we're, we're seeking self care by investing into other people because it, it is hard work and it's hard to take, it's hard to sit in your stuff. Right. And to really be like, okay, what do I want? And Unfortunately, a lot of times people pleasing is a form of not valuing yourself. You know, a lot of people say just be selfish and it's okay to be selfish. I hate that word because I, you know, I posted on LinkedIn today. I talked about putting myself first for the first time ever. I've always put myself last. But with the ego of putting myself first, if that makes sense. Like I was running around saying, look what I'm doing for everybody else. And now I'm so drained and I have no time for myself, but I'm a hustler and Mm. I'm going to grind it out. I'm going to hustle. And then at the end of the day, I was completely drained and I helped nobody, not even myself. Mm. Now I'm real, um, man, I put myself first and putting myself first. My employees have better leadership. I'm a better leader. My days are better. I would have never... Maybe even six months ago, if you would have came here to interview me, I wouldn't have left my phone on the charger and came here and been present with you Mm. and known that I did this because I wanted to, because you told me that you want to help the younger generation. I made the agreement to do this because I wanted to, period. Not because somebody else is asking me to do something and I'm going to do it and I'm so busy, but I'm going to give them my time anyway. And then, and then what happens? Then you leave, you pack up. Then I have all this resentment. Then I go to an employee and say, well, I could have got this done, but this stupid kid came by and then I had to do this podcast. We get in the habit of having these negative thoughts that we have to do things for people Mm -hmm. when we don't, we, and we're doing it for why we're doing it for ourselves, you know, to right. sometimes we're afraid to say no, because we're worried if people like us or not. Yeah. So what's your balance of saying no? That's an issue. I know going through college, you ask any college student, they're like, what is what was the hardest part of your sophomore or junior year? Like, I said yes to everything. So what is your balance? How do you find that? What do you how do you look at hey, this is valuable? So I'm going to say yes to it or this is hey, this not that you're not worth my time, mm-hmm. but it may not be for the best benefit of me or our company. Yep. So I'm going to have to say no. So a couple things. One is there's a book called The Best Yes. 
It's it's a Christian book, but it it's written re- really well to where it helps you understand like boundaries and right. saying no. Um, one thing that I do do slash did I still do it is I'll make a list and you can do this in micro you can do this monthly you can do it quarterly or yearly. So let's just say that I'm sitting down at the beginning of 2020. I write down ten things, 10 priorities in my business or personal life or whatever it is. Let's say it's, I want to weigh 150 pounds. I do. I want to weigh 150 mm-hmm. pounds. So I need to lose 20 pounds. Um, and that's one, that's one on the list. Then another one is grow cornbread hustle to X amount employees. That would be another one. And then another one, it, it could be as simple as get a new car or buy a house, anything in your life. You just pick 10 of those things. Then you're able to, every single day when somebody asks you something, you're able to run through those 10 things really fast and say, does this contribute or withdraw me from mm-hmm. achieving these 10 things? Yeah. And that that's how I've done it. And honestly, there's also the things that you choose to do because you want to do it. And one of the things on my list is to be happy. And that's where things like this podcast come in, where I'm like, I want to do this. Because it makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. Period. The end. I'm not doing it for you. Right. I'm not. I'm not doing it for anybody but myself. Because it makes me feel good, and I want to help the younger generation. Sometimes, I mean, it's how we give back, mm-hmm. and sometimes we don't use our gifts the way we should use them to give back. We think that we know. We think we're giving back, but we're really just giving to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to saying yes and no. I would just, what I've defaulted to is the answer is always no, right off the bat, in my mind. The answer is always no, and then I filter it through my my 10 things. And then if it doesn't fit in those 10 things and I still want to do it because it makes me happy, then I'm most likely going to do it. I love that that thought process. As long as it doesn't withdraw from those 10 things, Right. right? Right. And just being like emotionally healthy, because if you're healthy, you're able to lead yourself and then in Mm -hmm. turn able to lead others. But if you're not healthy, you're not able to lead yourself. There's no way that you can expect yourself to lead other people. And I think that's so important for for young leaders to know, because in this hustle mindset, which we will talk about, of like, I'm going to go, 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 Mm -hmm. go until I have nothing left. And then I'm going to resort to this escape from reality, Mm -hmm. whether it's alcohol, whether it's social media, whether it's love of self, whether it's drugs. So talk about that escape from reality. What pushed you away from that? Because I feel like long day of work, you're tired, you go home, and it's just so easy to fall into the temptations and into the addiction. So how do you fight against that? What do you do uh, to remove yourself from that fake reality? Yeah. And actually, before we get into that, just another example on running down that list of 10 things. You know, I told you that on my list, I want to weigh 150 pounds. Mm -hmm. So that means that I have it on my schedule that Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I do go to the camp and I work out at Mm -hmm. a camp that I work out at. And when somebody asks me if I want to join them for a happy hour, of course I don't drink, but still you go out to happy hour. We're not aliens. We still go out. Um, when somebody asks me for a happy hour on one of those days, that, that comes to be a speed bump on one of my goals, one of my 10 goals. And what I do is do I, you know, is this going to contribute or withdraw? Obviously it would withdraw. If I said yes to meeting them, it's going to withdraw from my goals because I'm not going to be at the gym. But that's whenever you start to prioritize and you ask them if they can meet on a morning, you know, for mm-hmm. breakfast. Or if you just look at this and you say, there, there's nothing 
a meeting with this person is not going to contribute to any of the 10 things on this list. And then that's how we build resentment. The old Sherry would say yes and skip workout because I didn't want to say no to somebody. Right. And I was people pleasing. Then guess what? I'm going to be resentment because everybody's pulling me in so many directions and I have no time for myself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we make the choice. But um, you talk about, so sorry, I had to go oh, back to that no, because that I felt so like good. it was like really important to really break it down Yes. Um, instead of just being basic, you know, like, totally. you know, just say yes to your goals. Um, so what is your next question? You said um, the escape. Yes. The, the hustle and bustle and escape. Um, oh, man. You know, I think all of us as humans have escapes and we should. But it's the healthy ones, you know, that we need to go after. Right. I I was just talking to somebody the other day and I was like, man, especially if you're used to having a crutch of drugs and alcohol, then you take it away. You're like, okay, I need these endorphins. Mm. Um, what do I do? Go get on a treadmill? Yes. The answer right. is yes, you do. But wow, that's that's a lot. That's a lot more effort than mm -hmm. rolling a joint um, or drinking a beer. I think the, the goal of avoiding the escapes is building a life you don't want to escape from. Mm -hmm. And I think for me personally, making the, that 10 goal list and learning what to say yes and no from has provided a life that I actually don't want to escape. I don't want to get on a plane and travel all the time. I don't right. want to travel at all because I actually like myself and I like the life that I have. Mm -hmm. I don't celebrate that it's Friday because I can't wait to clock out. Right. Um, I love Monday mornings. I love Monday mornings. They're my favorite time of the, of the week. Um, but I also love Sundays and I love Saturdays because I have, I'm on, I can work if I want to work. I usually do, but I also, I don't have to, I used to, you know, I used to tell people and I still do tell people every day is a Monday for me. Cause it is every day is a wake up, get stuff done and go, but I don't have to work. And I didn't realize that before. I had this whole Gary V type attitude where I was just like, you got to hustle. You got to grind. You got to go, go, go. If you're not working, you're not working. And and I have found, because I've started therapy and I've started focusing on my mental health because I'm not going to be here for anybody if I don't do that. I have found that the more I slow down, the more I get done. And I cannot believe it. I am your number one. Like if you've read the other articles and I know you have read mm -hmm. articles, all I did was talk about entrepreneurship and work and full throttle. That's because I was escaping into a new addiction. That was the slippery slope as well. Mm -hmm. A new addiction into work, which got me to want to escape my life. And that's how the alcoholism occurred. If you went back to my article starting back from 2011, when I became an inventor and talked about getting off meth, you could almost read every article leading up until today to see like, wow, I can see this point of her life. She was really a workaholic. And um, that's what led me to needing to really get into recovery from alcoholism, just wanting to escape from the life. Mm. And I created it. How stupid. Right. Like I'm an entrepreneur and I decided, let me make life look like this for me. Mm. And then, then I'm confused as to why I want to escape it and numb myself. Right. So entrepreneurship is what got you out of the heavy drugs and all of that, but then it led to an unhealthy addiction. Yes. So, so where is the balance there? If so, you found yeah, something you love, you love entrepreneurship. You love what you do. Yeah. So where's the balance? You are talking to me at a point in my life where I'm just now realizing this. So entrepreneurship 
did in fact save my life. I, I would almost say it didn't save my life. It was a it was an alternative to a quicker death. Yeah. Maybe entrepreneurship like became my slower death. Um, you know, I was talking to another entrepreneur who's sober the other day and we were like, did we become entrepreneurs because we want to be entrepreneurs or did we just want to fit our lifestyle for drinking mm -hmm. with no rules and no boss and no hours uh, that we had to be at work? And I was like, hmm, that's a good question. But I do, I definitely... I'm definitely an entrepreneur. When I even think about working for anybody else, I start laughing because I, I would, I don't think I'd make it. I'd be yeah. fired in a heartbeat. The balance is for me, I had to really get refocused on my why I had to. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's really, and I might get teary eyed here in a minute, but I think that's, what's really been the shift lately. You know, I, I got a year sober under my belt during that year of getting sober. I was very resentful and angry a lot of the time because I'm over here trying to recover and I still didn't learn about my people pleasing problems yet. Mm. So think about trying to white knuckle it and not drink. You lost your crutch of your escape. Plus you're still people pleasing and you're sober while doing it. So I started to even wonder if I even wanted this life. And I started to even hate my business and entrepreneurship because I'm like, what kind of life is this what I'm is this what I'm left with? So I had to really get a handle of my why. And I know it sounds so cliche, but if if you're if someone's listening to this and you find yourself in a position where you're like, Am I happy? Like if you have to ask yourself, Am I happy? Then I would say, like, don't, like, be impulsive and start removing things out of your life, quitting your jobs, starting a new, getting into a different major. I think it's more about getting quiet for a while, shutting out the noise, um, isolating in a healthy way, just taking some time away from everyone else. Because a lot of us people pleasers, we don't spend much time by ourselves in our mm -hmm. thoughts. Mm -hmm. And that's because we don't want to, so we avoid it. I think I, I just... Realizing my why made me get that balance. My why is to help other people transform their lives. Right. Wow. Well, what what a screw up if I'm my why is helping other people transform their lives, but I can't even balance my own life and mm -hmm. sit still. So fig really remembering what my why was and marinating in it made me put myself first. And now it's just so important to me to wake up and read my daily prayers and uh, work out six days a week and um, go to meetings in the program that I'm working for my recovery. And there's just non-negotiable things that I've put in place for my, I got therapy for God's sakes. I, right. I can't believe I did that. Um, I can actually I take that back. I can't believe I haven't. And that's why I wanted to do this podcast because I I beat the worst part wasn't the fact that I was depressed or had anxiety. And I still am. I'm still depressed and I still have anxiety all the time. But that wasn't the hard part, the fact that I had it. The hard part was that I beat myself up for having it. I'd get so mad at myself. Like, why are you sad? You have a great company. You've, you're on TV all the time. You're doing this. You're doing that. You've made this amount of money. You live here. You have this car. And so then I start spiraling down worse and worse, thinking like, 
why are you not happy? Then I'd start talking bad to myself. Like you're stupid. Um, and I've realized like how many times during the day do I tell myself I'm stupid Mm. or, um, call myself names just because I have a typo or whatever. I do it all day or I did. I've changed that. I did it all day. And it's, it's no wonder you want to escape. Like the things that you say to yourself, Zach, or whisper in your own, under your breath Mm -hmm. or said about yourself, would you ever say to somebody else? No way. I mean, I, I swear we are so hard on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you're so dumb. Wow. No, you're not. You're working really hard and you worked out six days this week and maybe you, (laughs) we are so mean to ourselves. Mm. so mean to ourselves and again i'm gonna bring it up again social media Mm -hmm. makes us meaner to ourselves because we're constantly even if we're not that person even if we're trying not to be that way we can't help but to see a contrast of our life versus other people's life right it's just there it is what it is um and we just live in a world where everyone needs love and empathy Mm. hope everybody there's so many people suffering in silence whether it be addiction depression stress. I mean, people are just suffering in silence because they feel like it's weak to ask for help when really it's strength. Right. Like you're strong if you're going to be open and ask for help. It's not weak. If you So if you're looking at someone and they're like, Cherry, I'm where you were at. I'm I'm struggling. I'm, I'm a people pleaser and, and I need help. Where are you telling them to go? What are you telling them to do? I would reach out to somebody who has already been open about whatever their struggles is. Mm. If there's, um, so I'm talking to your generation. So if you go to Instagram and put in hashtag sober AF mm-hmm. <laughs> or like uh, sobriety rocks, or if you put in hashtag depression, hashtag stress, hashtag anxiety, hashtag mental illness, you're going to see people who are opening up about their battles slash victories. People love helping people through the darkness, um, if they've been in the darkness. If anybody ever reaches out to me and says, I'm trying to be sober, I, I'm i going to respond. Right. And sometimes that's all you need is to just be like, just to know somebody's listening and to be able to tell somebody that somebody can relate. Right. Um, now, can I, 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 one thing I do have to say is like, I say that, but I have thousands of messages. I get to them, mm. but sometimes it's like three months later, I'm like, oh, hey, so how are you doing? Yeah. By the way, I'm so sorry. I'm just now responding. Right. But so it doesn't have to be me. Look for somebody out there who's been open because people who have been through the darkness will pull you out of it if you let them. Again, it's us that holds ourselves back. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. I want to talk about just last thing before we wrap up is the hustler inside of you. That's the cornbread hustle. But now we have this, this shift in mindset of I'm going to take care of people, but in order to do that, I have to take care of myself. So it's not go, 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 go. I want to read a quote to you about you mm-hmm. in an article, probably in this time that you were talking about yeah. earlier. And it's by uh, Jeff Creeley, Jeff Creeley, Jeff Creeley, Jeff Creeley. Of real news PR. Mm-hmm. That's right. He says, if Sherry can't climb in the window, she'll kick down the door. And so she's going to go after it. So what's your balance there of, hey, I'm going to go, go, go. I'm going to get stuff done, but also I got to take care of myself. Okay, yeah. Uh, a lot's changed there. Um, man, I think I need to name my company like Cornbread Relax or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's like a yoga studio or something. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, 
that was me. If I couldn't get in through the door, I'd go crawl through a window. Or if I couldn't get in through the window, I'd crawl through a chimney. What's changed in that regard is, you know, today looks a lot different than it did before. I used to do everything I could to get my foot into a door. Now I'm getting invited to have meetings with CEOs of billion-dollar companies to talk about second-chance hiring and addiction in the workplace. And the old Sherry a year ago would have came in with PowerPoints ready to go. I got to close this deal. I'm going to stay on top of them. I'm going to hound them. The person I am today is just, this is who I am. If we align, then great. If not, it's cool. I've learned that that was a big part of my slippery slope to addiction is trying to play God in my life, Mm -hmm. trying to control and manipulate every situation to fit exactly what I want it to be. You cannot, I take that back. You can, because I did. I've, in my past, I've forced people to work with me. You know, you know, that salesperson that you're just like, fine, you end up just working with them because they finally just beat you. It's easier to work with them than to ignore them because they're going to keep bugging you if you right. don't. That was me. Um, I mean, I got the job in the newsroom because I called every single day and I finally sent them a, a pizza that said, if you hire me, I'll deliver. That's awesome. um, so I, I was that person that yeah. figure always figured out a way. But I've learned that when you force things that are out of, you know, your will, like when you're just forcing things, it's not going to work out anyway. And it's going to cause you more stress, sadness, depression, anger, and anxiety. Mm. So if you really, and it doesn't have to be God for me, it's God. Um, but if you let a higher power, just take the wheel and just, if you're in the passenger side of what we call life, you're going to be so much happier because Mm -hmm. whenever you're in control of trying to manipulate situations, that's a lot of stress. Totally. And that's what's going to cause you to want to drink or escape or just be unhappy. Right. And it starts out with thinking in the slippery slope, how you get down is thinking that the things of this world, the alcohol, the drugs, the the fame, the money is going to satisfy when when it's not. Oh my gosh, when it's, it's not, not at all, and it never will. And thank you for your story of that, and just a testament to that. Hey, I've been there, and I don't want you to you go to there mm-hmm. either, because this next generation we're 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 growing up in the social media age, like what you're talking about, where everyone has the nicer thing, everyone has is showing it out there, so I can see and I can see what I'm missing out on because that person has it, so now I need it, but no, it's mm-hmm. not going to satisfy, and it never will, and so that's what I think. Why I think your story is so incredible, and why your message is so incredible, is because people need to hear this, thank you, and people need to know that. So as we land a plane, last thing. I want you to look back at 20-year-old Sherry and look her in the face and say something. What does this generation need to hear? What advice would you give to your 20-year-old self or the 20-year-old college student that is ambitious, looking towards leadership? What do they need to know? Yeah, I would. I think I would say to don't try to outrun your haters before you can walk. Mm-hmm. People are, the, your haters, I'm using air quotes, they're going to hate you whether you're tired, beat down, worn out, or successful. Right. Right. And and actually, that's not even true. I look back now, like I chased away my haters because I'm like, look at me. See, I'm killing it. I'm better than you. Mm. Um, but deep down inside, I was sad and struggling and drinking my life away. When at the end of the day, those people that I called haters were the people who needed me the most mm. to be inspirational and to lead by example. So I think... Um, And y'all's generation is doing a really great job at 
I don't think I need to give any type of feedback or advice when it comes to social good mm-hmm. and like giving back. There's no problem there. I think where the problem is focusing so much. Wow. It's like a whole generation is doing what I did wrong. Mm-hmm. Focusing so much on helping others and focusing on fixing other people's problems to avoid looking within. Mm. Yikes. So, um, yeah, that would be my advice. Wow. Don't don't let an entire generation do what I did, which is shout to the world, you know, I'm helping people right. and have and you could still be a really good person. I still got people jobs. Mm-hmm. I was a great person. I had a big heart. But I was too busy focusing on other people's problems just so I could avoid my own. And anytime I had five minutes alone to myself or any of those feelings started to seep in, I turned to the bottle. Mm-hmm. And I never thought ever to turn to help or to get therapy or to work on myself. I thought it'd be selfish to put myself first because I need to help people. Um, So yeah, that's my advice. Well, thank you so much. That's so beneficial. And we want to call our next generation to a higher standard and you're doing that every day. So listen to this story, heed the advice. Sherry, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much.